Okay. Uh, all right, guys. So this is a rocker, Mike Percent. And who do we have today, Mike? Hello, Rob. Hello. This is uh, Rocker Mike, and we've got Lala Brooks here, the famous Lala Brooks from the Crystals. Um, I'm really honored to have her here today. So say hello, Lala. Hi, everyone. How you doing? Okay, great, great. Lala, now we're going to jump right in because you have an incredible career here I want to talk about in depth, if you don't mind. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Um you know, it's it's really it's really amazing. Every time I I, I talk to someone, I, I learn so many new things. And uh, just researching this show, I, I I have a million questions for you. So we're gonna have fun here. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, now, you're from Brooklyn originally, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And um, you started singing at a young age, I understand. Yeah. First, did I you have any? Did you how old? How old? Started singing gospel. When I was about seven. Okay. Did you have any training or anything, or it was just straight up your own thing? No, it was no training. I just, I just had a voice that God gave me, I, and I could sing, you know. But yeah, no training yeah. whatsoever. Okay. Okay. Now you're known originally from being in the Crystals, and I just want to give the the listeners out here a little background on the Crystals before we're going to talk about when you jumped in. Okay. Okay. Okay, now the Crystals were formed in 1961 when you had singers Barbara Alston, Mary Thomas, Dolores, also known as Dee Dee Kennybrew, yes. uh, Myrna Gerard, and Patricia, also known as Patsy Wright. Um, Barbara Alston's uncle, Benny Wells, was acting as the manager and got the band signed to Phil Spector's label, Phil, Phyllis Records. Phillies or Phyllis? How do you pronounce that? Phyllis. Phyllis, okay. Now... In November of 61, they had their first hit single called There's No Other Like My Baby. Uh, the song actually peaked at number 20 in January of 62. And it was written originally by Phil Spector and uh, Leroy Bates, I believe his name was. Right. Um, now, an interesting side note on that song, just to mention it, is when that song was recorded, Barbara, Mary and Myrna actually showed up in their prom dresses because they recorded it after their prom. Yeah. Did you know yeah. Did you know that? You probably knew that, yeah, right? Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, immediately after, uh, they went for a, a another single, a song called Uptown, and it was written by Brill Building writers Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil. Yes. Now, that was a, another hit, and it got to number 13. Yes. Now, here's where you, you come into the picture. Um. Well, I came into the picture before. Oh, really? Tell us. Yeah, I came in a picture um, when I was 13. Oh, okay. And, and Barbara, I didn't know, naturally didn't know the group. I knew Dee Dee's mom, Dee Dee Kennebrew's mom, Dolores Kennebrew's right. mom, way before I knew the Crystals. Wow. And what happened was I was just went to the seventh grade. I was like 12 and a half. Dee Dee's mom, Mrs. Kenny, Mrs. Um, Mrs. Henry, Mrs. Mm -hmm. Henry used to be the woman that was in my school every day, making sure the kids, like in the, in the um, playgrounds and after-school programs, Didi's mom was always there for us. So my mom didn't allow us to play on the street. Right. So she would tell us when we finished school, change your clothes, go back to school and do some type of recreation. But Didi's mom would always be there after school for the children, for us. So mm -hmm. one day when I went here, 
I didn't feel like jumping rope. I didn't feel like playing volleyball, you know, volleyball and things like that. So I heard this piano when I walked in and she, Mrs. Henry, Didi's mom was saying, Lala, what are you going to do this afternoon? You want to, you know, do this, you want to do that? And I said, no. And she said, well, find something to, you know, keep you busy. And I heard this piano and I started walking down the hallway where this piano was playing. And I stood in the doorway and I said to this man, his name is Leo. I said, could I sing? And he said, can you? And I said, yes. So I started singing a song that I heard on the radio. Right. And Didi's mom came down the hallway. And when I stopped, she said to me, was that you with that big voice, that little girl that I hear? And I said, yeah. And then she told me about the crystals. Now, mind you, I was only 12 and a half years old. Sure. But I had a big voice. So we, I, she said, would you like to join a group? I was looking at it, and then I had heard the song, There's No Like My Baby. So as a child, you're going to say, yeah. Oh, yes, whatever. And right. then I thought, I said, but then, then as a kid, I said, but, oh, no. I said, you have to ask my mom. And then she said, I will. And so she came by my mom's house. She asked my mom. My mom was reluctant. And she said that they was doing a tour or getting ready to do some work. And my, they would have a guardian. So that's what happened. And then I, I got in the group right away. I don't even believe Myrna did anything with them. Maybe just go hmm. to a graduation or maybe when Dan's No Other was like my baby was out. I did the background with the duo, with um, Uptown. All Barbara's oh. things I did background with. It wow. started with Uptown. I didn't do anything on Dan's No Other like my baby. Right, right. But I it did started... everything. And then even when we did Uptown with Phil in New York, Myrna came in and she did the background too. I guess they felt that it would, you know, she was part of the group, so they wanted to make her part of the group still. But she wasn't. Right. She was completely out because she had gotten pregnant and was she was gone. Have... Right. So, I was going to say that because, yeah, yeah okay. So okay. when what? So I did. Only record I didn't do was there's no other like my baby. But all of Barbara's things, Uptown, I love you, Eddie. What a nice way to turn seventeen. Mm -hmm. I did all the background, and my voice was so big. Until yeah. Phil was like, she, I didn't blend well. So what he would do in the studio in New York, he would put the girls together and put me behind them so my voice won't be too strong, even for background. So gotcha. that's when I joined the group. So then when I was 12 and a half, when I turned 13, that's when I did this tour with them. And that was like 1961. So I was in the group, really, would you say, from the beginning, as original, because Myrna was never did a job with them. Maybe something, a little bit, a bit thing here and there with theirs, no other like my baby. But as soon as I got in the group, I started doing background with theirs, no other like my baby. And definitely I did background with Uptown because I knew it from the studio. So that's how it happened. I didn't know any of the girls, but Dee Dee's mom, Mrs. Henry, introduced me to, from working in my school, PS73, she worked there. I see. Okay. Yeah. That's that. No, I'm glad you cleared that up because yeah. different sources I was researching kind of had it a little bit differently. Yeah. They have it a little backwards, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. All right. you, you cleared it up. Yeah. But it's a minor I thing. see some, of, I see some of the information here with DD and everything else. And um, you attended PS 73 and a bunch of, it's a bunch of information about you here. Um, and you pretty much started do you have, you You were a family of 11? You had 11 brothers and sisters? Yeah, but I'm the second generation. The second generation? All right. Gotcha. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of family right there. Yeah, because my mom had children um, before me. And then my brothers and sisters were older. They were old enough to be my children. In fact, wow. some of my nieces are the same age as I am because my mother was having children with her daughters. Mm. If you could understand that. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I see what you're saying. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you, you played on Uptown. You sang on that. Now, what I was finding interesting is that there seemed to be some maybe beginnings of some shenanigans going on there, okay? Because it looked like you guys never got paid for There's No Other Like My Baby in Uptown. Is that true? Well, we never got paid for anything, really. Yeah, yeah. To but, do Run Run, wow. Danny Kiss Me, when I did those vocals, all my Christmas album with the girls, and I mean, not mm. with the girls, but, you know, with, with the recordings, and Phil just right. never paid the girls. He never paid us. Yeah, yeah. Were, mean, you aware, were you could, aware of it? We, or could, or you... we get royalties now, some royalties now, but yeah. to be honest, Phil did not, um, many groups were shafted in that yeah. time. And yes. then you have contracts where um, the contracts is always, you know, so, what do you call it, so confusing, you know. And then plus we're young kids, I'm 13, Dean sure. was 15, Barbara number 18. Our parents didn't know anything about the, the, the legalese thing, the small prints and things like that. And then when you're young, you're sort of like being the spoiled brats and you, your mom is saying, I don't know whether to sign this. And you're saying, oh, you know, I want to go on the road. Just sign it, just sign it. You don't know what the heck you're doing. You know what I'm saying? So you were on the road at 13? I was on the road at 13 years old. So and now, I was taken out. Wow. I, I had to be, I was at PS 73. And we mm -hmm. went on the road so quickly and did a tour um, until they had to snatch me out of school when I was 13 and put me in a private school and I went to a school called Mace and it was on 72nd street and central park. And it was like a huge brownstone. Yeah. And I went to skid with, skid school with kids that was like, the school was like from the first grade to the eighth or the kid got into the eighth. And I went to school with, I started school with kids that did soap operas, you know, like they, the children on soap operas or their parents on like, soap like operas. Ch like children of celebrities and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah and it was very hard for me because I came from a school that was black and white and the curriculum, yeah. everything was more so mentally for me to handle. I go to the school in Mace and it was like, whoa, because these kids were much more advanced and they were mostly white children. I right. had only two black kids, two black girls. They remind you of, I can only say they remind you of uh, the Bill Cosby kids. Like the Cosby girls. The, you know, those two girls that I was in school with. Mm -hmm. But if you count the whole school from the first grade or the kindergarten to the eighth grade, we were the only three blacks in the school. Wow. And these kids were very wealthy. In fact, some of them used to come to school um, in the limousine and be dropped off. Oh, wow. wow. So it was like a culture shocking to me. Of course. Because sometimes I couldn't keep up with the work, work because in our school, they didn't give us much you know, work like the white kids would get. We, that's, the, you know, the same form, same thing we have today in the schools. So I had to work very hard to get up to these kids that was wealthy, their moms was paying. And the school was crazy because, in a good sense, is because it was very, I would say, like very Ivy League. Yes. Very uppity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Right on Central Park. Of course. So you can imagine how beautiful it was to go to a school like that. Yeah. And then after that, yeah. I was taken out of junior high school. Then I went to high school, a private high school. 
Didi went to that high school with me, Didi Kennybrew. Mm -hmm. And we went to school with Gregory Hines, Gregory Hines' mm -hmm. brother, Patty Duke. Um, wow. Um, <laughs> Anthony Quinn's son, Duncan Quinn. Um, wow. I went to school with um, uh, Bernadette Peters. I know Bernadette very young. <laughs> we went to school uh, with all those kids. He's great. Wow. Dinah Washington's son. Mm -hmm. She had two sons. And I went to school with Dinah Washington's son, the famous Dinah Washington. That's amazing. The singer. So, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I went to great, I went to great school. Yeah. I mean, I guess it had to be that way considering, you know, what you were doing. You couldn't be mixed in with everybody yeah. back at PS 73. Yeah. And I had to be on the road. So I, I only went right. to school from when I did go to school, I only went to school from like in my high school, I only went to school from 10 to one. What's it like, uh, being on the road in those days at 13. I mean, obviously you, you got guardians and stuff like that, but it must've been like, like a whirlwind for you, right? To go all different places around the country. Yeah. 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 That's when I was first introduced to Europe. And I remember, oh, right. I remember saying to myself, I was in England. I went to Australia and things like Australia. And I remember as a kid, I was like 14, 15 saying, when I get older, I want to live in Europe. Just thinking as a child of mine, and, and you I would did. do that. And I and did. Would, yeah. wow. Because I loved Europe so much. I still love Europe. One of my older daughters, she's, my older daughter, she, she's still in Europe. She's still in Vienna. And, but um, on the road, it was, it was hard. It was, sometimes it was difficult. Because sure. we didn't have the buses and we didn't have the planes and flying like the, the kids do today. So we had to, you know, we had to do that to... You roughed it more. You have to rough it. You know what I'm saying? When we got mm. on stage, it was something different. When you work with Supremes, I, you know, and all of Shirelles, everybody, you know, you become as a family. But as far as traveling is concerned, it's very, very difficult, you know. Sure, I would imagine. I would very imagine. difficult. And then it's just culture shock, like you say, going to Europe at that young age. You know, that must have been culture shock. I know it would be for me. Yeah, it was very much like that. But I wow. got through it because I had a guardian, but. It was very difficult because, and then on the road, you had, um, when I was so young, so young, I had the racism thing I had to deal with. So I became very upset and sad. And it was a lot for me. Because well, you didn't, you didn't experience that too much in Europe, right? It was more here probably. No, I didn't South, experience but... that at all in Europe. I experienced that in America. Right. In Only South, in our country. Because in Europe, um, they think, of, especially in Vienna, when I did yeah. there, they think as women's, they would say to me, and I would think that and the men would be looking, you know, and I would be getting an attitude, you know, that American. Thing. Yeah. And then I'd go home and I'd speak to my daughters and they was they speak perfect German. They, I put them in a great school in Vienna and I go home and I would say to my daughters, I was standing at the bus stop and I had my hair like this and da da da. And I said, the man was saying, and my daughters looked at me and I said, I gave them an attitude. And my daughter said, Ma, he's saying so beautiful. So Europeans look at black people as um as exotic a lot of right, them. right. especially if you're not bad looking you know they look at you as exotic yeah but america <laughs> looks at you as like a piece of crap you know what i'm saying so when i was in when i was young and i was in the south i became very angry you know mm, I, became, I was right. very angry the girls wasn't as angry as i was because they were younger and they may have understood because Barbara and Didi was 15, 16. Barbara was 18. They had graduated from high school. I was only a 13-year-old being not allowed to go to the bathroom. So I was very, very angry. You oh, know? wow. I, was, I, was, I hated white people. 
you know I, I I didn't um I just at 13 I would go home and my father was from the south and my mom was from the north my mother's American Indian but my dad was black from the south and he was very subservient and very much patriotic and I was like what the heck and I'd stand up in the middle of the floor and I'd cry and I'd say I hate them they're not they're evil and they're not right and my father would say Dolores now then people be kind to you, you got to be nice to them and the more he said that the more I wanted to just scream. But as wow. I got older, and then I, you know, became more religious, and even when I got older, I realized that it's not the best thing to be angry. And then I started learning, you know, when, you get, when you're a kid, yeah. you think different. But when you get older, you realize that the person that is racist is a sick mind. It's not yeah. normal. Because God created us through Adam and Eve. Right. You know, and I'd say, like I told somebody, if you really want to say all white people are black people, they're just light skin from evolution. But we all came from black mother. That, that's absolutely true. That is 100 percent accurate. The, the yes. white people don't want to acknowledge that because they got blue eyes. But hell, my grandmother, my grandma Sarah had blue eyes. My yeah. nephew Ronnie has green eyes. My niece Estelle has green eyes. So the eye thing is a joke because all in my family. There's green eyes, blue eyes. My grandmother, yes. my great grandmother, which was my mother's mother, she came to live with us when she was 89 and she died at 98. And she had such blue eyes. The people, the boys and people in our neighborhood, when they know that my grandmother was living with us because it was my mother's grandmother. And, and, and when they come up to our house and they said, oh my God, Lala, your grandmother got blue eyes and would get around the neighborhood. They would want to come and see my grandmother's blue eyes because, you know, in a certain neighborhood, in our neighborhood, it wasn't. A lot of people didn't have that. So what I'm yeah. saying is that if people really want to, it's a joke. Racism is a joke mm -hmm. because there's nobody here white. They all there's come from Adam and Eve. And, and when, when I used to go to church and there used to be a cross up there with a white man, that was a joke. Santa Claus is a joke. Right. Uh, 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 Jesus is a joke because mm -hmm. they, came from, they came from warm climate. And if you come they couldn't, they couldn't have been climate, white like that. Right. They, they couldn't have been white like that. But that mm -hmm. was the that was an indoctrination like to make you uh, feel inferior. But what happened to me is that I became stronger. So I became strong as a black girl and a black yeah. woman. You could put 1000 white people in the room and I would walk in there like I am. I am so important. I am just as important. So as I grew. And I realized that you're only intimidated by your thoughts. Exactly. Or by what you think. Or you're only intimidated if I allow you to get inside my spirit and let me believe that you're better. You of follow course. me? No, I, I totally do. And, and, so, and I could, yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. It's a mental thing. It has nothing to do with color. Right, you know, right. And if, it's if like, I can you know, make some, somebody when you say When yeah. you say racism is a joke. Okay, I, I agree with you because there's only one race and that's the human race. Yeah. Okay, and so, he, you know, there's, there's, yeah, you, then you know what I mean, Mike, you know what I'm saying. Totally, totally. Yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you're yeah. saying. And, you know, without going off on a whole thing about it, but it's just like, you know, the world today, you know, nothing ever changes. No, you know, my my parents, you know, and, and this, what, I, what is going on now in the world, it's just nothing ever changes, unfortunately. And it's because of so many, you know, ignorance, basically. It's and, ignorance and stupidity and inferior. Yeah. It's inferior. Yeah. If you want to look at something inferior, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, 
white people are very inferior. And I would say the same thing in black people. If they felt that they could kill somebody and be over somebody and, you know, uh, come in there with ammunition and cops do, that's inferiority complex. And that comes from fear of I have something that you don't, that I don't want you to take. Yeah. And it's all about fear. And white people have a lot of fear. And, and, and they don't realize that the reason why black people are so strong and white people would be the same way. But white people are very delicate. Black people are not delicate. But it could be the same way around. But white people have to understand the reason why they're fragile and they're delicate. It would be with me, too. If I've had that banner all the time that I'm superior and I don't have to do anything and the silver platter comes on my plate all the time and I don't have to fight for anything, I become very weak. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I, I do. I do. So um, sometimes with black mm-hmm. people are very strong or white people would be the same thing, but we become very strong is because if you keep poking us and poking us, either we're going to faint or we're going to succumb or we're going to go in a shovel or shell. But what happens to black people, for some reason, we get stronger. I think because we hold on to God a little bit differently. Well, and also I God- find, in, in my experience with uh-huh. all different kinds of people, I mean, I'm a native New Yorker. I'm originally from Brooklyn. I live in Queens. You know, oh, I'm, cool. I'm around here my whole life. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, people that I meet, black people that I meet, it also depends on where they grew up and, and what culture they're from. For instance... My wife is Haitian. She's from Haiti originally. Okay. Okay. And she's been here for since the late eighties. Uh, yeah. She had to. She had to flee from the baby doc regime. That whole thing. Wow. And um, yeah. And you know, uh, I you know her her culture is is very different than Black American culture. It is. Okay. Yeah. In a lot of ways. I mean, of course, it's it, you know you go back hundreds of years. I mean, they're here for the same reasons that American blacks were here and that was slavery. Okay. But you know, it's, I find that talking to different black people from different cultures, they're all like, it's all a little different. Not everybody is, is, is exactly the same. And I, I I find you, I find a beauty in that. I'm saying, okay. You know, and look at um, the Haitian country. Look at that. That was one of the biggest, what do you call it? That country. Oh my God. They had hmm. queens, kings. You know what I'm oh, trying yeah. to say. Oh my they god! They were the first. They were the first uh, slave rebellion in history. Yeah. To have a you know throw over France. Okay. Yes. And yeah, I mean, and and that is still you know you talk about a culture. It's still that is part of the Haitian culture every single day of their lives. They talk about Dessalines and and other like they like their George Washingtons. They talk about that even to this day. It's part of their lives. Really? Does she speak yeah. French? Does she speak French? Yes, yeah, French Creole. Yeah. Oh, she speaks a good. Oh, so she oh. still does. Yes, yeah, she still keeps in touch with people there, I and mean, she's got friends. Haitian people are very tight. I mean, and I know you could you could be. I remember one time we went down to New Orleans, and and we're walking down the street, and there was a guy sitting in his cab. It was a cousin. Oh, yeah, you know, really? it's like everybody. They maybe they could go to another. <laughs> you go to another city, you'll find somebody that's related to you on the street. Funny. Yeah, so sweet. <laughs> But it's yeah. so sweet, you know, so yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah. I hope you can meet her someday. That would be nice. She, she'd, you guys I'd love to. I'd love to because, you know, yeah. I'm very friendly. And plus, I love people. Oh, yeah. I don't have anything with color. I don't have anything with... And that's what mm. I guess sometimes it breaks my heart because I just don't have that in me. I don't... I don't... I don't no, have that's, that racism. That's... I just don't have it. 
No, I, I could tell you don't. And, and, you know, you've been through a lot. You experienced it firsthand growing up as a kid yeah. uh, in, the, in the business and everything. But I want to get back to the music a little bit. Sure. And uh, I want to talk to you about a little controversial song that I'm sure you were not a fan of. But I want to get into a little bit because I find it interesting that it was it even got recorded. And that's the song called He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss. <laughs> yeah, okay. did that. <laughs> <laughs> now, that was written by Carol King and her Carole husband Jerry that, yeah. Goffin at the time. Jerry Goffin, yeah. Yeah. Now, the story goes according to Carol King is that her babysitter, which was Little Eva, the yes. locomotion, right? Little Eva. Yes. Uh, and she explained to Carol one time that her her boyfriend was beating her, basically, yeah. and mm-hmm. he was. And she said, "Well, you know." It's because he loves me. And I think she even used the words, you know, he hit me and it felt like a kiss. Okay. In the, in in the conversation. Now, how did you feel about recording a song like that? Like right off the bat? As I said, Barbara did, Barbara Austin did the lead. Barbara did the lead. Right. And I would say out of background, but I couldn't understand that. I just couldn't understand it. And then when they put it out, it was a disaster because. It bombed. It bombed because we were so young to be singing something like that. So they wouldn't play it on the radio, but. What's so crazy, Mike and Bob? Is it Rob or Bob? Rob, what's Rob. so crazy about it when we was on yeah. the road? Everybody, especially in Europe, they love it. If I sing that on stage, people go crazy. And yeah. um, Amy Winehouse loved it. I was going to say that. That was uh, a big influence yeah. on yeah. her, that song. Yes. Courtney, Courtney Love actually did a version of it with her band, Hole. Are you okay, kidding me? They, they, yeah, yeah, they did a version of it. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny. I first heard that song because i'm a i'm a big fan of of specter and the girl groups and, right. and even the even the non-specter girl groups like the shirelles and stuff like that right. i love okay and years back it had to be in the early 90s there was a box set called back to mono that released all the phil specter stuff and you know quite a few crystal songs were in there the hits and a couple of the other ones that weren't and that was in there and i'd never heard that song before because my exposure to the girl groups was basically the hits, okay? What I heard growing up on CBS FM was always on in my house. My father was a, a, a big doo-wop guy, still is, in his, in his late 70s now. Okay. Um, you know, and uh, my mom loved the girl groups. So I heard a lot of your music, and stuff, but it was pretty much the hits. But I never heard that one. And I was like, <laughs> that song is just nuts, okay? <laughs> and, and, and I mean... Yeah, I mean, it, they actually had some protests and stuff, right, over here in America, right? Sure, that's how I got off the radio, because people thought it was outrageous, you know? Wow, wow. And now it would be banned completely. If, oh, you, could, you couldn't write a song. Oh, like yeah. That. You I couldn't write even, a song. It you wouldn't even, even get, that. yeah, it wouldn't even get that far. But yeah, it's still so, so crazy when I did it, and I went to San Sebastian, <laughs> and I did things in France, um, and I sang that song. I had a band there, and I brought mm-hmm. my uh, music director He's from Japan. He's Japanese. He's very, very talented. And he kept coming to me in the dressing room. We have to do He hit me. He said they love it. I don't know whether it's daunting or when they go do, 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 do. I don't <laughs> know what the heck it is, but the people, <laughs> the people go crazy over it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. crazy. But it's just well, cool. Hey, um, let yeah. me ask a quick question because I know you did it. Um, how do you get into Broadway? Because I think the Broadway stuff is a little fascinating. Yeah, I did two gentlemen Verona, and I did um, hair. I was I did Aquarius. I was original cast in Aquarius. Mm. 
Yeah, that's what I, I was fascinated by that. That you did hair, you did aquarium. I yeah, I was in a dressing room with Diane Keaton and Melbourne wow. Moore and a girl mm -hmm. named um, Laurie Davis. We spent two years or more so in a dressing room with Diane Keaton. Keen, Diane Keaton was the first Sheila in hair. Ah, okay. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> she was 25 and I was 22. So we did hair wow. and I did Aquarius and I did all the other, I covered everybody else, understudied everyone else. So um, what happened was my husband was in hair. He was a famous drummer in hair and he made all the music for hair. And then I went to audition and with Galt McDermott and um, Jim Rado and all of the guys that wrote it, and Galt McDermott wrote all the music. Jim Rado, Jerry, J uh, Jim and Jim Rado, what, they wrote the, the, the play. And when, as soon as I auditioned, I got the part. Wow. And I would be, I was wow. in there with Ronnie Dyson too. He did Aquarius too, but I took over Aquarius also. Then I now, did what two was that, What was that for about a, about a year or two you did that? Yeah. And then mm -hmm. I went into to General Rona. That was great. I did that with Raul Julia and, and, and Clifton Davis. He was a good actor, Raul. Raul wow. Julia was a great actor. Yeah. And so, such a sweet I guy. I love that guy. Such yeah. a nice yeah. guy. You know? Wow. So wow. when I, I did Broadway, I was fortunate. You know, I was very fortunate because I did other things and um, big things after the Crystals. And then I did Cotton Comes to Harlem with. Melba Moore and Lita Galloway. I did that movie. Yeah, you, you had that one song yeah. on there called Going Home, right? Yeah, I had Going Home, and I had another one Going that home. I did do it um, down, in the, down in the Marshland. Beautiful song. Is you, that on the soundtrack? Oh, yes, with Lita it Galloway. If you, put, okay. if you put up Lita Galloway, I'm singing it with her. And ah, I love that song. Okay. I do the middle part. So I did that with um, Ossie Davis. Yeah. We were in it, and we did all the music for wow. it. Me and Melba and Lita Galloway. Wow. Wow. So wow. I was fortunate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, it, you were fortunate, but you, you had the talent. So that's, yeah, you know, I did. I did. that's how it goes. And you yeah. still have the talent. I mean, yeah. the, there's some wonderful clips for our listeners out there. If you, if you want to check out uh, Lala, even in the last few years, there's some wonderful clips on YouTube of you singing some crystal songs and other things. And uh, there's even one of you singing the Ronettes Be My Baby, and you did a fantastic job on that, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, you, even now, you, oh. you, you're you wonderful. you got a beautiful voice all these years. Yeah, thank um, you. No problem. Um, I want to get back just a little bit to some interesting little points here with the crystals. Um, one thing that maybe people don't realize, and I'll just kind of explain it quick, is, you know, Phil Spector would would often switch personnel around and change the names of the bands and and kind of like you know use different people and put them under a different band's name and that happened to you you guys with the crystals yeah. because when uh, apparently when he was out in la which was where he was kind of like headquartered pretty much uh he's a rebel which was written by gene pitney was given to him to record and he wanted the crystals to do it and you weren't out in L.A. and he gave it to Darlene Love and the Blossoms and called it the Crystals, right? Yes, yes. Okay, now, did you know this was happening or just kind of like the song was released and you were like, what the hell? I mean, what happened with that? No, well, like I said, people don't know that if it wasn't for the Crystals, there would be no Phil Spector. Because well, that's true. Phil Spector started, we started Phil Spector. We made Phil Spector famous. Right. Because he was in New York with us with Carole King you know, mm -hmm. Jerry Goffin, you know, and um, all of them writing music for us. And Phil had a studio. 
I think it was 42nd Street, York, or something like that. We used to go to a studio, not a studio. He had an office where we'd practice all our, our stuff, and he had an apartment upstairs. Right. When Phil brought his record company to California, that's when the crap hit the fan. We started Phil. We had a contract with him, and we needed a record out. Phil got to California feeling his Cheerios and was not responding to our manager when, when Joe Scandori was telling him. Now, Joe Scandori was a mafia, mafioso guy. He used to manage John Rickles for 45 years. Oh, wow. Okay. And if you notice, if you ever look, do some clippings with um, Johnny Carson, mm-hmm. when Dick, um, what is, um, what's his name, used to go on there, the comedian. Don Rickles. John, John, uh, Don Rickles used to have to always mention Joe Scandori. And sometimes he, if, you, yes. if you catch, if you catch um, Johnny Carson, he used to duck when he had to remind you. You know, I, I, I do recall that. Wow. Do you okay. recall that? Do you recall yes. that? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I'm a and, big Don Rickles fan, so I, I knew Rickles about said, him. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, Joe Scandori. Yeah. And then sometimes Johnny Carson would jump into the desk like, and say, well, you have to mention his name because, you know, I'm scared. Yeah. You know? yeah. So if you watch any clippings, sometimes you'll find that a few of them at that with Joe Scandori. So you know who I'm talking about. And <laughs> Joe Scandori managed us. And um, he kept telling Phil, even though you went to California, you still have a contract with the Crystals. And, you know, they need a record out. The record's due. Phil didn't listen. Now, what I think about, Mike, I think about, Rob, I think about when I was a kid, 14 years old, I remember, but you know how you forget things and don't put it together Mm -hmm. and and, and just can't figure it out? It comes to you later. Yeah. As I got Mm -hmm. grown, I said, maybe that's why Phil did that with Darlene, because one day, I used to always go up to Joe Scandori's office. He loved me to death because I was a baby. And he <laughs> had one son, and he used to always bring me out to um, Ocean Parkway because he owned the Elegant Club. Oh, okay. Wow. You know what club God. I'm talking about? <laughs> I do. I do. He owned the Elegant. Yep. And um, so he owned the Elegant. So we used to play the Elegant all the time. And um, so... He used to bring me out to his house with his wife because he had that one son. And you know how somebody wants a daughter? And I was such a good girl. He didn't care about color or anything. So he, he'd say, Lolly, you want to go to my house? And I would sit there. And I'm telling you, the house was unbelievable. But Mike and Rob, I would sit there and I'd see, I was so young. I was about 14, 15, and I'd see all about 20 cameras around his apartment. I'm in his house. So I'd sit on the couch and I'd look at these 20 cameras. And I'd say to myself, because we didn't have too much. We was poor. Not poor, poor, but you know, we had, we didn't, we didn't have a lot. So yeah. seeing these cameras, I didn't say, wow, he turns each channel on these cameras, whatever he likes to watch. <laughs> I didn't know until I got older that it was a, he was watching the rest. He was watching who, in, who went inside that right. the surveillance. Yeah. He was, they, he was they looking surveillance at everything. cameras and he was yeah. watching everything. So I noticed when I said that it was a camera, wow. there was a television in the middle. Like a regular TV with it around the sofa, and above me was all these cameras. And I was saying, why would they have it where they have one channel on them watching something, but why don't they have channels like other channels that's looking like TV? Couldn't figure yeah. it out. But anyway, that was surveillance cameras for him for the, for wow. owning the Elegant. So sure. one day I go to his his office as I do usually if I'm shopping in the area it was Fifty Something Street, and I go up to his office just to see how he's doing. 
And one day I walked up there. He says, hey, Lala, how you doing? I said, fine, Joe. And um, he said, he greeted me and stuff. And he said, oh, Jim, tell Lala what just happened with you when you went to California, when you flew to California for Phil. Now, I'm standing as a kid in front of Joe's door. And, and Jim says, yeah, Lala, he's a very Italian, big guy. He <laughs> said, yeah, Lala, he said, oh, yeah, he said, I just moved to California. He said, and I ran Phil around the effing table. He used the real word. And he said, yeah. I told him that I cut his, I, I break his legs and kill his effing mother if he didn't record you guys. You know, <laughs> he said, I had Phil running around the table. And I'm standing there in front of Joe Scandori's office. And I'm looking like confused. Because yeah. in my mind, I love Phil Spector. Because Phil Spector's producing, you know what I'm saying? Sure, and sure. I, I spent a lot of time with him when he was putting down Bobby's tracks in New York. And he was always nice to me because I was a child. So I'm kind of my mixed up in my brain. Joe is laughing. Jim is exact, not exaggerating. He's telling the story. And in my mind, as a kid, I'm saying, why, why would you do that to Phil? Because I don't know any better. So what I'm saying yeah. is that if Joe Scandor had hit on him to scare him, Phil Spector started carrying bodyguards after that. Yeah, and he so, and he did for he did for a long time, and he did for a long time. So, yeah. what I'm trying to say to maybe make it a little bit sense that he got so afraid, he grabbed Arlene and put on "He's a Rebel" and released it because of afraid of Joe Scandori. Well, that's possible. I mean, he was working with her in some level there. I think as the Blossoms, and then it just came out as the Crystals at that yeah, point. Yeah, because you know, it's because it, so I don't know if that's the. I, that's the true story, but I don't know. But one thing mm. about Darlene, Darlene was older. Yeah. Darlene was in her 20s. Right. When I, and I adored Darlene. I loved her voice. I adored her. When I used to go to California, the first thing I would do is at a hotel, call Darlene and say, Darlene, as a kid, I'm only 15 at the time, mm -hmm. 14, 15. I'm saying, Darlene, I'm in town. Uh, Fanita was sweet. She was always sweet, Fanita, with the yeah. blossoms. Darlene was a little cocky. But yeah. I didn't think it as cocky at the time until we got older and I realized she was cocky. Um, yeah. I didn't realize that because I was admiring. I loved her voice. I loved her. And so I said, Darlene, I'm in town. She said, oh, that's very nice, baby. And I can hear these children and the, the babies crying. She had two sons at the time. She had kids. So right. She had kids and she was married. So Phil, didn't, when I spoke to um, Jack Nietzsche, I, wow. Jack Nietzsche said, Phil... Darlene was always in his face. Phil, I want to be a star. I want to be caught. I want to, and he was like reluctant because she was married in those days, the same like it is now. They want the young people, you know? But yeah. he was using her for background. He was using her on, on different leads, things like the um, Bobby socks and the blue jeans. But right. even when we went on the road, I'm just skipping a little bit. When we went on the road on tour, the Bobby socks and the blue jeans came on the road. Yeah. Bobby Sheen came on the road. He had two singers with him to do a few dates with us with the Dick Clark tour. Darlene yeah. was not there because Darlene was home as a mother with her children. So mm. Jack Nietzsche and was telling me that she kept bugging Phil, bugging Phil. So Phil gave her the name to try because he wanted to feel it was a user. He wanted to make sure she could stay with the Blossoms and doing background. He named her Love. He took right. He named her Darlene Love because her yeah. name is Darlene Wright. So he gave her mm. that name thinking that would help her keep quiet because she wanted to be the big star. If you watch one of the movies that she was in, which was an all complete lie, 20 feet from stardom, 
she said she started really got famous when she was in her forties, which is true. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't famous when we was he teenage. Um. So with that story with Joe Scandori or with Darlene, when I spoke to Jack Nietzsche and I was saying to Jack, Jack Nietzsche, I was in my fifties and I said Jack Nietzsche, I went to meet him at the a Mayflower Hotel in New York when he found out that I came from Europe, and I told him that Darlene lies and she after she did he's a rebel she's lying and saying she did to do a nun he said phil would never and then then i said she lies and says she did river deep mountain high that it was supposed to be her song Tina, when, when Tina she Turner did that. yeah she lies yeah. and said that phil was going to give it to her but he gave it to uh gave it to wow. uh, tina turner if nobody's there tina's not there to defend herself so when i was speaking to jack Nietzsche, he said that's a complete lie it's only to make jolene look like she was a great singer and phil wanted to give her everything you know all body song mm -hmm. He said, Phil, pay $25,000 or more to Ike to let it be, let him run the studio, let him record Tina, him stay out the way. Dick, Jack Nietzsche said, Phil only wanted Tina to do that song. So when right. Darlene's on stage, she says it today, she'll say it tomorrow. She says, yeah, you know, I'm going to do this song, River Deep Mountain High. She says, but song, but he gave it to Tina, however she puts it. It's I lie. have heard her say that because I've yes, seen her lie. Yeah. Yes. Wow. It's a complete lie. She says it in every show. She says it because she does it well. And she says it in every performance. It's to make people think that, mm -hmm. you know, just like she said, Phil, when she wanted to lie when I was in Europe about she did the do and run because I was off the scene. Do you know people believe when I walked down the street that she did that song and it was a lie because I was gone. She started that lie in 1984. When I left, yeah. and she did Leader of the Pack with um, uh, uh, Elliot Greenwich. When she did Leader of the Pack, the two great songs that was a hit in that Leader of the Pack show on Broadway was River Deep, Mountain High, and You Do Run yep. Run. So now I left for Europe in 84. That music mm -hmm. musical Broadway came out in 84. Darlene started all the lies. When I hit the scene back now, and I nailed her, and I loved her, mm. but I nailed her. I nailed her on Facebook. I said, she's a liar. <laughs> and toe to toe, it's called her a liar, and she's afraid of me because Good I for love you. you. You know, I love her. I, I, I yeah. took the world of her when I was fifteen because I loved her voice. And for you to come, yeah, you did. He's a rebel. Yeah, you did. He showed a boy I love. But Phil was in a place where he was smell smelling himself, and he did wrong by us. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. It's the, oh, it's wow. the truth. And he's in Not. California thinking he's that great, and he would not be nothing without the crystals. That is that is so true. That You have a fantastic way of putting it. But now, He's a Rebel went to number one. And then the follow-up... Let me tell you how that happened. Let yeah. me do that. Go ahead. And, and no, then go ahead. He's sure the boy I love went after, didn't do that well, but it went okay. Yeah. Now, we're on the road. Back to Joe Scandori. He's bugging Phil. He's ignoring us. And the Joe Scandori saying, what the hell is wrong with you? He says, we have... Crystals have a contract with you. You left... California, and you start in the studio, you've got to record the crystals. You've got to bring them to put something out. He's ignoring him. When we the crystals, we're all established now. Mind you, that's why that 20 feet from stardom is bullcrap, is because we was an established group. Darlene lied all through 20 feet of stardom like she was, like we were nearly vanilla. Darlene was cleaning baby diapers and crap. <laughs> and the crystals was driving all over the world at, at when I was 13. We didn't need a Darlene yeah. to make us famous. No, we, you already were. We made Darlene famous by using a crystal name underneath her. 
voice. Yes, she was not. She was nothing before that. She was nothing. Wow. And people don't realize that. And I'll call it. Uh, I'll call it spade a spade. So mm-hmm. we're on the road. We're driving in the car, going to do a gig. All of us, Patsy, Patsy, Barbara, all of us, five of us. We on the road. All of a sudden, naturally, when we always travel, we'd always put on the radio just to see what numbers and where the numbers are. We hear these. He's a rebel. We don't think anything of it. And then it says. He's a rebel, number one, the crystals. We looked at each other like we had two heads. Oh, my God. You were in a car when you found we that out? We were in a car driving. And you know how you put on the, oh. the, 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 yeah, F, yeah. the FN, the top 10. And, right. and we hit as number one. We were lost. We were lost. We didn't know whether Jeez. somebody took our name. You know, we didn't know what to do. And so. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't inform you of any of this. Nothing. You just heard it Phil on the radio. Just wow. Phil just released it. So now when things got really crazy. Wow. And we found out that we, it was our name. Uh, we knew it was our name, but we found out what Phil did. What do we do? My voice is very strong. Barbara's voice was very s- small, but it was pretty, yes. but it was very light. So we had to go grab, 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 grab He's a Rebel song, practice it, and sing it. I sing yeah. it just as well as Darlene would ever sing it. And I we- was going to ask you that. So you had to... You know, you're on tour, and now you got to learn these, oh, yes. at least one or two new songs. Yeah. Okay. Because he he showed the yeah he, he showed the boy I love was was the follow up. Did you did you perform both of them live after that? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we did. But I could sing the wow. hell out of it, you know. Um, sure. I, because my voice was younger, my voice was just as strong, and um, nobody knew, nobody could tell the difference because we we didn't say too much. Eventually, we said it, or they found out, whatever, like that. But that's how we found out when we was on the road doing it. And then when, when he's, he's sure the boy I love came out, the only problem was the Darlene's from Texas. She's not from California. She's originally right. from Texas. So she had that I always dream the boy I love would come along. I yes. don't sing like that. If I was going to, no. that I would do it like Brooklyn. I always dream the boy I love would come along. <laughs> right, right, right. Totally I would do different. it more Brooklyn. So when I had to do yeah. that part, I would do it like I would naturally talk. But um, it was hard for us. And then Phil got so, and because uh, he knew he was wrong. So then what happened was I was always flown out to California and I put down the Do Run Run, then he kissed me, the Christmas album, Little Boy, right. Girls Can Tell, everything I, I put down after that. But Darlene got her popularity off of the crystals. Then she became, which is totally crazy and totally a freaking click with this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Darlene said, if you ever listen to her, she said she bugged for two or three years. She says it with her own freaking mouth. She said she bugged Little Stevie. She bugged Bruce Springsteen. Bruce, little Steven, yeah. Little Steven. She bugged Bruce Springsteen to put her in the Rock and Hall of Fame. She did it for three years. Because she was a puppet for them. Everything they asked her to do, she was on stage with them. Yeah. Yeah. Even, little, little Steven. I, I, I listened to Little Steven a lot on his, well, not him personally, but his station on, on a satellite radio. It's a good channel. And he does play the crystals, but he tends to play the Darlene Love stuff. Okay. Yeah, because and, he, kiss, and he, I, he kisses up to her, but I don't. See, let me tell yeah. you one thing. I'm going to call a spade a spade. Little Stevie, yeah. he's a sweetheart. But he knows mm-hmm. I tell the truth. Sure. And little Stevie and Bruce Springsteen, I'm dying to meet Bruce Springsteen. I'm dying to look at him in his face. I am dying to do it. You, you know, I, I 
<laughs> if it's funny because you you know you're new to the show here and everything but i we're, we're already into like almost 100 rock shows and different podcasts that me and rob have done and i always give it to bruce springsteen i think he is one of the phoniest people i'm just gonna say one of the phoniest people in the business i'm dying okay? to meet and him so and let me many, ask you so one thing. When, when, mm-hmm. you're not gonna take any of this out are you no okay no we, we're gonna release it the no. way it is okay <laughs> Bruce Springsteen and Little Stevie, Darlene is in the Rock and Roll of Fame because Darlene patronized them, kissed up to them, whatever she had to do, and what she did, what they put them in the, they they helped do it, you know, because they all yeah. in a click. The, the Rock and Roll of Fame is all in a click. Is who do you yeah. kiss up to that you become, yep. uh, you know, whatever, you know. So Darlene says it. She says I kept bugging Little Stevie and I kept bugging Bruce Springsteen. But you know what pisses me off with Bruce Springsteen and them is that little Stevie did a little girl. They t- yeah, he did. did little yeah. boy. So you copied from me. Bruce Springsteen, he won't admit it, but he copied Santa Claus is coming to town. My version when I was 15. Can, can I interrupt for one second? Sure. Uh, little, little Steven did little girl. Okay. I mean, little girl. I think, when I did yeah, little boy. Yeah. Right. The same song. Did you change the boy and the girl? He around. just changed the boy but, and the girl. Yeah. No, but what I'm going to say is he did it, I think, with his band, The Disciples of Soul. Right. Okay? Right. Now, now, if you go back probably quite a few years before that, into the Uh mid-70s, there was a guy, a New York performer, you might remember this guy named Willie DeVille. Oh, uh, let me tell you something. You remember? Willie DeVille, Mm -hmm. you know, happy Santa Claus is coming to town for me. Yes. From Phil Spector Sound. Even though he yes. did a great job and it came out good. But what bothers me with them is that they, when I was away in Europe, they used Darlene uh, for everything on their shows. And when they did the Rock and Roll of Fame thing, um, like even Paul Schaefer said, he don't know why they did it. They say that Darlene wanted them to do, because she kissed up to them, they wanted her to do, she, for her to do the Rock and Roll of Fame, sometimes naturally you do a song and you entertain she took, made, right. made Bruce Springsteen and them, Little Stevie and them, do to do run run, so she could make the people think that that was still her, that was her song because she was a liar then. Wow! And she, so and that's what they did to put that in somebody's head that that's she recorded that song. She lied. All she lied and she said first of all she said she did to do run run when when years ago for thirty years this this woman lied. She said she did to do run run. And um, years ago, when I did it, she said she put down the track and Phil Spector lowered her voice all the way down to the bottom and put me on the top. Now, you got to be a stupid person to know that Phil would not even dare disrespect his ability as a genius, as anybody mm-hmm. to take somebody's voice and put it down low and put somebody on top. He would just erase your behind. Right, take you out of the mix take, altogether. So, so that yeah. was the lie she told. After I came back, I nailed her. I nailed her like you nailed a picture, <laughs> picture on a freaking wall. And I said, you're a liar. <laughs> you never was there. And then Jack Nietzsche told me, when I saw Jack Nietzsche, that's what I was telling you. When I met Jack Nietzsche, Willie DeVille was at the Mayflower Hotel with Jack Nietzsche. Yeah. And I met Jack Nietzsche again. He was fabulous. I met Jack Nietzsche when he was in Austria doing some shows. He was fabulous. 
Yeah. He wore that black yeah. stuff on, that black stuff on, and he's a small guy. And he wore his black stuff on stage. His wife was a sweetheart. He had a great show. So I know Billy, Billy DeVille. Yeah, and, and, and he did a great uh, great version of, of, of Little Boy as, sure as Little Girl. He sure okay? did. It's better, it's better than Little Steven. It's better than and, Little and Steven. And also, also, Little Steven kind of did it trying to sound more like Willie DeVille, I thought. Yes, okay? me too. When I heard that version, I said, oh, he just, he's listening to Willie DeVille and he's going to do it the exact same way. W- it, Willie I wasn't impressed, but Willie, Willie's version is fantastic. He nailed it. He, the, he nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how, first of all, I went and met Willie DeVille, as I said, when I lived in Austria, because a girlfriend of mine, she knew him. She was lived in Austria. And she said, have yeah. you ever heard this guy named Willie DeVille? He's from America. And I said, no. She said, oh, we love him here in Austria. We love him there in Europe. So she took me to the concert. And when we got backstage and Willie DeVille was so sweet, he said to me, Lala Brooks, I'll let you. He let me backstage. We talked. He said, I honor you. I copied your song. And he was really so. As I said, when Annette, Jack Nietzsche tracked me down, who was at the hotel with him but Willie DeVille. Wow. And we were there to record again. I was in my 50s. Then we wanted to record again, but then Jack Nietzsche died. And that was a shocker yeah. because we were set to call him. When I went to see Jack Nietzsche up at the um, Mayflower Hotel in New York, Jack Nietzsche, all leather. Willie DeVille had it on his black, but Jack Nietzsche looked really kind of thrown off yeah. because he was he had been in with drugs and stuff, you know. Yeah, so it had an effect yeah. on him. And I, I hadn't seen him since I was like 17. So it was like, oh, my goodness. We were both filled up. And they, Jack Nietzsche said to me, he said, as he began to talk and he got loose and feeling uncomfortable with me, he said, Lolly, you know, I was effed up. He said, you know, he said, I was gone for eight years. He said, I was in love with Buffy St. Marie and she broke my heart. And I had to listen to all of his stories, which was good because it made him feel relieved, you know. He said, I yeah. adored Buffy St. Marie, but, you know, things happened in my life. And so then we started talking about Phil Spector. And he said, Phil Spector, if it wasn't for me, he said, it would be no effing Phil Spector. He said, my arrangements made Phil Spector. He said, and yes. Phil Spector never paid me, never gave me what I was to do, what I, I was due. And he was nailing Phil Spector. And then we started talking about Darlene. He said, Phil Spector didn't want to do anything with Darlene at some time is because he felt she was too old. He said, damn sure, she, we would never put her on to do Run Run and put the voice down and put your voice up there. He said, because it was a children's song. It was a song for a young woman, not an older right. woman. And he said, Darlene's voice, Phil could not use it on a lot of things is because it was too gospel and too heavy. Yeah. And it had a gospel sound. So all those lies she told, I nailed her when I came back from Europe. She doesn't play with me. Darlene does not play with me. Mm. People will get mad. You know, the people that kiss her behind will get mad. And I shouldn't say this about Darlene. I love Darlene. I love the ground she walked on. But I don't like in a business when you take somebody's material and you say you did it. And many jobs, Darlene lied. And a lot of people thought she did to do run run. And I was out of work because of Darlene. I've had to explain to people over the years. A lot of people I know have said, oh, that's Darlene Love. No, no, no. That's Lala Brooks. Yeah. Okay. And now what she does was yeah. she, she was on Gail King's television program, radio show, about maybe a few years ago. And everybody knows now when, when what, who I honor now is Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer put me mm-hmm. on David Letterman so he could bring out the truth. He knew yeah. Darlene was a liar. He wouldn't say it because Pauline, but Paul's not like that. Paul loves right. both of us. But Pauline, Paul, Paul Schaefer knows the truth about who did what. Paul Schaefer, when they, when they did the Rock and Roll of Hall of Fame, Paul Schaefer went and had dinner or lunch with uh, Nicole Spector, which is Phil Spector's daughter. 
I know her very right. well. So, 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 um, she, she called me after they had dinner and stuff at the Wall of, um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and she said she was sitting with Paul Schaefer. Uh, uh, Nicole Spector, she said Paul was upset and Paul was saying, I don't know why Darlene keeps saying that she did that song and make people have the, the, the thing in their mind that the song belonged to her. He said, why would she even do it on um, Rock and Roll of Fame just to maybe to inflate it more of the lie? Yeah. You know, Paul Schaefer is a good guy. He put me on David Letterman for the truth and I admire him and I thank him today. But with Bruce Springsteen, I would love I would love to meet Bruce Springsteen. Now his wife, Patty, is a sweetheart. I saw her just by coincidence when I went up to Sirius Radio and she was there doing some kind of thing with some singers. She found that I just come from New York. She said, Lala, I copied the crystals. I admire you guys. Yes, but, but that Bruce Springsteen and that little Stevie, they patronize Darlene's lie. And that's wrong because Bruce Springsteen and little Stevie would not, little Stevie would not like somebody to do his riffs on his, what does he play, guitar, bass, whatever he plays. Guitar. guitar. He would not uh, want anybody to do his riffs or his music thing on, his, on any recording and lie and say it's his somebody else. Uh, say it's John, uh, John Henry. He wouldn't like that. Bruce Springsteen wouldn't like if somebody wanted to take his music and do the same song and uh, lie and say that's, that's, that's him that that's mm -hmm. him. So why would you guys know the truth and not patronize Darlene for the wrong? You guys because they're kissing the they're kissing her butt. Yeah, basically. you, you guys yeah. are no better than her. No better than mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm wow. saying? So I'd love yeah. to look in. I'm dying one day to be looking Bruce Springsteen's wow. face. I wouldn't argue with him. I wouldn't tell him off. I would. I would just want to look at him and say, "How dare you? How dare you?" copy Santa Claus is coming down, little Stevie copy, little girl for my little boy, and not give me that respect to yeah. say the truth, that Darlene is a liar. And I would tell her 50 times a day, I'd stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with her, and, and she knows I don't play. I don't play. Especially when my heart, as a young girl, Darlene loves six or seven years older than me. Sure. As a young girl, yeah. I admired her and still admire her voice. I would, at my mother's house, to show you sound, I used to put on the radio. And I loved um, the zippity doo -dah, And I used to put it on the radio. And yeah. I used to just put my head to the ear, my ear to the radio, just to hear her sing. And then you lie. And because I'm out of, uh, out of America in 84, and you do read up the pack in 84, you lie and you claim my song. Are you crazy? She, I guess she figured you weren't going to be around to even figured, say anything. She thought I wasn't it. coming back. She thought I wasn't coming back, but I came up. I, I came back. Wow. I came back on her. She don't play with me. Yeah. She don't play with me. I've done shows, that, and Darlene was booked on it, and she didn't do it. She canceled out. If you if you look at the Lincoln, if, I, if you if you were going to be on the show at the same time, she would cancel. Let out. Let me tell you something. You see, mm -hmm. you see the Lincoln Center show. Yeah. Where I do the River Deep Mountain High. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. You know why I did that? Why? Me, Ronnie Spector. And Darlene Love was the stars, the headliners of that show at Lincoln Center, wherever we did that some years ago at Lincoln Center. The guy, mm -hmm. that the girl who works at Lincoln Center, and one of the guys that do the, 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 the um, Ponderosa Stomp in New Orleans were collaborating together to put this big show on of all the girl groups in Lincoln Center. But the main acts was me, Darlene, and Ronnie. Right. 
he said to me, Lala, you do your hits. Darlene will do her hit, but she also do River Deep Mountain High. I said, no problem. He mentioned the pay, great pay, no problem. You and Darlene and Ronnie. Next thing you know, he called me about a week or so before the show. Before I do it, he said, Lala, I have a problem. I said, what is it? He says, Darlene canceled out. I said, really? So he said, yeah. He said, and um, uh, the, one of the songs they made the arrangements for already was River Deep Mountain High. Would you do it? Mike, oh. Rob, I was so scared of that song. It's a great song. It's a great song. I was so afraid of it because it's so strong for me. That is a great song. It's a tough one to it's sing, a, I would imagine. It's a tough one to sing. And then um, Celine Dion did it well and a few other yeah. people. And Darlene did it well, too. So I'm thinking, oh, God. So I'm saying, I said to um, the guy, I said, listen, I know you said I had to do my things, but I'm afraid to do that song. I've never done anything like that. He said, Lala, please. He's, Darlene was supposed to here to do it, and she canceled out on the show. So could you please? I said, okay, do me a favor. I said, I'll go to the rehearsal. I'll learn it. But if it comes out, I'm too scared to do it. I said, would you get mad at me if I canceled out and just do my things and just leave that song? He said, okay. I go to the studio, and all the band is there. Now, Mike and Rob, I'm doing it out of fear at the studio, at the rehearsal studio, right? Yeah. When I did it, they went crazy. And I'm like, huh? You nailed it. I nailed it. So if you pick up, if you pick up River Deep Mountain High, <laughs> he went crazy. He called me out of the place, and I hear him on the phone, Lala, Lala, you don't get the hell out of that song. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, well, I was out of fear. So what I'm saying is that she, I don't know whether, she, I'm just saying, quote, she said she had to do something else. And, and, and I still love her for the pleasure of God. You know what I'm saying? Because you have to love everybody. But I can't sure. stand her lying ways. And I can't stand her deceitfulness. And I can't stand her arrogance. And I can't stand when she lies. There's another big song that she said lies and said she did. That she, the blossoms in the background for And it's a big hit. It's an old hit that had background, a great background sound. Come to find out, it wasn't the Blossoms on it. It's somebody that sounds good, just as good as Darlene. So she lied mm -hmm. and said they did the background on that. There's a lot of things oh. Darlene has lied about. You give you an example. You know yeah. 20 Feet from Sodom? I've, I've never seen it, but I've heard of the film. Okay, they changed it, the one that comes in the mail. Because the film, okay. I, I nailed the guy that, produced, that was the director. He was saying, he said, oh my God, Lala. I'm so sorry what Darlene did. But anyway, when they received the Grammy for it, yeah. the Grammy was only given to the director and the producer. Because the other people don't get Grammys when you do a documentary. You know yeah. yeah. Do you know Darlene got up there? She accepted it. One of the guys that was the producer or the director died about few, she kept it. a few, few months before the man, the movie was released. So the guy that was a producer, director, one of them that was living, um, Neville something, he said, let Darlene accept it. She got up there and accepted it and may believe, she, she did say she was accepting it by, by him. But you know, when you say something and you say it so, so crazy to it's confusing, Darlene got yeah. a way of, of, of saying things that it's like double, double talk. Yeah. But then when she, the one man that got it was the producer of it. He's done documentaries before. And then he let Darlene pick up the one, go to the pulpit and get the one for the man that was deceased. And he had the power to do the documentary. 
So she was really accepting the award for him. It was not her award. Do you know if you go on her page now, people congratulate her for her Grammy? Oh, my God. It's like it's hers. Wow. And she accepts it. <laughs> yeah. like it's she, doesn't, she doesn't say, wow. I'm going on her page. I don't go on it anymore. But, I mean, I went on the page one time, and I saw someone, she doing something. They said, oh, Darlene, love, we love you. And we're so happy because you've got, I'm happy about your Grammy and all the achievements that you've made. And she, mm-hmm. she runs on that lie. Because the man is dead now. He died yeah. before the thing was produced. Now, the guy that accepted his award and wanted Darlene accepted on the other guy's behalf, he probably didn't know what to say. She did say this was going to be accepted by the one that passed away, whatever. But the way she put it and the way she held it, and because they made her the head of the film, she, she was able to do a spin on it. You know how you can I spin see. something? And today, yeah, yeah. 2020... Um, Darlene has people thinking that she won a Grammy for that that movie. Just hmm. like the 30 years when I was out of town, because I went to Europe in 84, didn't come back to like 98, 97. Darlene had people thinking that she was the lead on to do and run. She, that, and that's what she does. She lies and says, oh, when she was speaking to Gail King, now, Gail King, they did their research and found out she was lying yeah. about the do and run. Because they was gonna do a, a they, go, they were doing it. They was gonna uh, Oprah Winfrey and I was gonna do a time life story about her, about her book. But th- there was too many lies, so they canceled out on her. So Gail King had her on a radio show that comes on in the morning, and she said, I guess she found out that she didn't do to do run run because that's one of the biggest songs ever. And so she said, yeah. Gail King says, Well, well, Darlene, if you didn't do it, she said, Oh no, no, I didn't do it. She says, But um. Uh, um, so then Gail King says, well, if you didn't do the lead vo- vocals on it, why do you do it on stage all the time like that? So she says, oh, because it's a part of me. It's a part of your lie that you did. And you can't sit down on it now. So now what she says is, oh, I didn't do the lead on it. But she won't say Lila Brooks did the lead. She'll never say that. She, she says, don't say your name, right? She, she, doesn't, just... she doesn't say my name. She'll say, oh, wow. I didn't do the lead. But then she'll she'll lie and say, but I did the background. That's a lie because she's not on that. She's not on that record at all. At all, um, yeah. uh, uh, On the background, Sonny Bono's on the background because it was such a silly background. And then yeah. when I spoke to Jack Nietzsche, Jack Nietzsche told me Darlene's a lie about the song. Phil wanting her to do it because it never happened. It never happened that she wanted to. He wanted to do River Deep Mountain High. And he said another thing, Darlene was not even in town when we was putting down the do run run. And I'm the arranger, so I know who was there. Damn, that's an amazing story. So you wow. got all these people <laughs> that in the business, yeah. they'll lie for another <laughs> artist because they need they need to use that artist. Of course. That's of course. why this business is cutthroat. And if you're not grounded, it is. you can die with it. I'm grounded. And I'll stand toe to toe with Stevie. I'll stand toe to toe with Bruce Springsteen, and I will stand toe-to-toe with all of them. It's because I love them as people, as artists, but I don't like the little sneaky undertone mm-hmm. of it. I don't like that. And it's unfortunately, it still exists today. And it exists, Mike. It exists. Yeah, you, you guys, you guys want to hear something funny? Dave Chappelle yeah. was just talking about the same thing, about the Chappelle show, <laughs> that he signed his contract and then they gave the thing to Netflix and they gave it to HBO Max and he didn't even make a dollar on it. And he called Netflix and said, can you please take this off your 
Hey, Netflix. Oh, yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. See that? See that? Go f himself. Yeah. Yeah. After after Dave Chappelle originally offered the show to HBO and it told her it'll never work, this and that. And Dave Chappelle said, I want to do a sketch show. I want to give it to HBO because I want to be able to curse and do this and that. And they told him no. Then he went to Comedy Central and they gave him a contract. And he said, like any brother, exactly, you signed a contract exactly. and then you and pay you know, for it so later funny? on. In this business, they don't like the truth. Of course they, not. They, they don't like control me. Everything. But if I walk in there, they don't like me to stand up for the truth. Yeah. And I'm for the truth. I'm not perfect. I may have, everybody makes mistakes in life, but that's just developing as a person. But if you got me, you got honesty. Yep. If you got me, you got a spiritual thing. If you got me as a friend, I'm your friend for life. As I say, I don't hate Darlene. There was no hate. I just don't like that if, you, if you're supposed to be that great, then you should be a go on your greatness with your own shoes. You don't have to put your shoes in my feet, my shoes where I wear them. I say she's that's, a great that's... singer. Yeah. You know, I say she's a wow. good singer. She's a great singer. You know, she, she's, um, uh, 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 um, you know, great in what she does. You don't have to go right on my shoulder and try to take something from me because I'll never take anything from you. Well, you know, I mean, people make the mistake. Somebody's a great talent doesn't make them a great person. Exactly. So guys like Springs, guys like Springsteen and and Little Steven, they kiss up to her because yeah, they love the music. But that doesn't mean everything she does is gold. Yeah. And, and then, what you're telling me, I mean, this is like I, I didn't know any of this. This is amazing. Yeah, and then you know, a lot of things in Europe in '84, a yeah. lot of things Darlene did with them, so they felt obligated. Darlene even yeah. was on, if you know. Darlene was on a blue, uh, 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 little Stevie was doing a recording with Darlene. Yeah, they did. I kind of remember that. He yeah. was on her label. So it was like, mm -hmm. you know, the whole tribe, they do something. They, they, they all, they're all on the same path, walking on the same road together. So it's like, yeah. they're not going to see left to right. They're going to see only what they want to see and do only what they want to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm left behind. But I want to see that Bruce Springsteen. You hear what I'm saying? I want to see his butt. Well, maybe that maybe that day will come. I hope so. I hope so. I don't hate him, but I don't, and I'm I'm not mad at whatever. No, I, you I, got a bone to pick. It's but, it's natural. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you? How dare yeah. you? How dare you? You wouldn't want, like wow. I said, you wouldn't want somebody getting up there faking and make believe they did your song and your thing on Bruce Springsteen and Little Stevie the same thing. Like I said before, they wouldn't want somebody standing up there and he did some riffs and some bad stuff and some good stuff. Recording and did all of his little intricate, you know, musically. Would you like somebody to say that John Henry did that and you didn't do it, little Stevie? No, I don't think so. So why do you think about me? Yeah. Amazing. You know, and I didn't get one. Like I, wow. I didn't even get work. For, a lot of work was denied wow. me because of Bruce Springsteen, because of little Stevie, and because of Darlene Love's Lie. And you don't, and you're sitting there in your New Jersey place mansion or whatever the hell you have and you don't think about yeah. this little black girl or that little one that used you Darlene to make her own self big and you sitting in your mansion with all your millions and you end up doing my song when I'm 15 years old and then try to shaft me with Darlene lying and you guys went with it y'all are just as wrong as Darlene is of course just perpetuating the life further and I don't give a damn how much money you have because the money doesn't make no. the person exactly I agree I agree. You can have no money and be the sweetest person out there. I don't have that. I don't have near as much as money as Bruce Springsteen. But I tell you one thing: I don't have a character like his either. 
all have a character like Darlene. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, you know Lala, I mean, I got to get back to the couple questions here that I think is relevant to what you're saying as well. Okay. Um, with, with, with the do run run. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, you know, you, you're talking about knowing the business and everything. Um, did, you know, that was kind of the track. I think that uh, did, did, did Spectre and everybody realize, okay, we got to go back now to the original crystals. Okay. Do a song with them. When you went out to LA to do that, you were at gold star studios, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, did you know you had a hit with that song? Knowing the business, the way you did at that point, because it seemed like it was gold, probably right, no, right I, out of the I, 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 You know what? My brain was so much with doing exactly. I was this type of kid that just wanted to make people happy. So yeah. I was always trying to make people feel happy. I was never thinking about, oh, is this going to be, excuse me, is this going to be a hit for Phil? I was always thinking about when Phil would come back in the studio and say, Lala, I want to sing this way. I want you to do it this way. And it turned down the light so I can get the mood. All I was thinking about is making sure that Phil was satisfied. I never thought about what was a child. Yeah. You know? So I always, that, that was my thing. If I can do anything to make somebody happy in it, they're satisfied with it. That was all I wanted at the time. And but it, the fans went crazy for that song, Oh, my right? God. That's the biggest song ever. I can go all over you. Yeah. Even yeah. the smaller kids would be singing that. That's why Darlene wanted to steal it and make lie and say it was hers and she did the lead. Because he's yeah. a rebel was number one. She couldn't be satisfied with that. But the thing is that to do run run is bigger than he's a rebel. When it comes to uh, the, when it overall. Comes, overall when it comes to the quirkiness or the corkiness or you know the the, the song. Yeah well I mean he, he he when I hear he's a rebel, okay, and I do like the song. Oh, okay, yeah. and and a, a lot of people have covered it, even like Joan Jett has covered it and bands like that. Um, but I don't see it as a Crystal song. To me, it's just a Darlene Love, Phil Spector production, you know, kind of thing. But it, 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 to me, it doesn't seem like a Crystal song. Yeah, and then plus, it's a He's a Rebel, it's a song where the do and run is a gimmick. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> you know how little gimmick, gimmick lyrics. So with the gimmick lyrics stays with the brain, you know. Well, it was a hook. I mean, you had a hook there That's that, what I mean. that so, stays in the brain. That stays in the yeah. brain. But as far as the thinking it was a hit when I was very young, there's nothing I did as a kid that I thought would be a hit because I didn't have that mentality. You were just doing kind of yeah. what you thought these people had for you to do right yeah. and, and all that. Yeah, yeah I got you. Yeah. But now I want to talk about the next one because this is, to me, it's like the, the, the greatest or, or right almost at the top of all the girl group songs, and that's Then He Kissed Me. Okay, now that was the follow up to do to uh, to do run run, and that song is not only one of my favorite all time songs of that genre, it's also in my all time favorite film, and I'm sure you're aware of this is Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. there's that there's that famous scene where Henry is taking Karen through the Copacabana kitchen, and yeah. they just play the whole song. I think it's like almost the whole song. And, you know, it's just one long shot with no cuts. I'm a big film buff. So to me, it's an amazing scene to watch how Scorsese did this. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and it really just captured the that moment. That was a great the, scene. It was that. It was probably about 1963 in the scene in the movie. So it was like the same time as the song. So it was timely. 
And it's just it just fit perfect. Scorsese has a fantastic way of of, you know, using songs in his movies, I think. Uh, he uses the stones a little too much, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, but I mean that and, and, and I, I always you know, I want to ask you something. And were you aware that the rock band Kiss covered that song? In 1977. Yeah. You were aware of that. Somebody okay. told me that later. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know it at the time? No, not at all. Okay. Yeah, that was on their album Love Gun from 1977. And uh, it, it's one of my, you know, I'm a big Kiss fan, especially the old, you know, old Kiss. And uh, I always loved that, you know. And, and people that love Kiss were, back then were kind of like, oh, that's corny, whatever. I'm like, no, nah, that's, that's a great song. <laughs> I used to love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, um, and that song, to this day, it stands the test of time. Same with the Do Run Run. Yeah. You know, back to back, those, those two tracks, it's amazing. But after yep. that, now, that was a big hit, Then He Kissed Me. Uh, I think you went to the UK after that because it actually got to number two in the UK, Then He Kissed Me, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, now you were on Ready, Steady, Go? Yes, we was on a lot of things. In a lot of TV shows, yeah. 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 We did now, well in England. We, yeah, we yeah. Still now, 64... Well yeah, sixty-four in England, obviously the beginning of the of the British invasion. When you went over there, did you did you meet anybody? Did you meet the Beatles? Did you meet the Stones? Well, we, the meet... St we met the Stones. We didn't meet the Beatles. The Beatles was leaving when we came in. True, they were already on their way out. Yeah, yeah. They, I think they were at the airport. We was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they was leaving the same time we was coming in. Wow. And then we met the Rolling Stones, but at the time the Rolling Stones wasn't the Rolling Stones. They were the Rolling Stones, but they weren't famous. They weren't big. They were about a year away, probably. Yeah. By the time you so got we there. met them, and you know, yeah. we just didn't think yeah, anything I, of them because they weren't. They were Rolling Stones, and we worked with them. We was with them, but there, there's an amazing tour that that uh, Ronnie Spector talks about in her book, "Be My Baby." Yeah. Where he talks about being on tour, and the Stones are at the bottom of the bill. <laughs> yeah, because they wasn't like, that famous. Yeah. They weren't that big yet. Yeah. And I yeah. think we worked with the Who's too. The Who. You work with the Who also, yeah. really? Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, the Who. Um, what is it? I think it's in. Wow. It's in Quadrophenia, the movie. That there's a. I think it's in Quadrophenia. There's a scene where you see the the, the mods all dancing in England in the in the club, and it's to do run run is on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you ever if you ever seen. It. I think it's Quadrophenia that has that. Yeah, I'm sure the Who the Who loved your stuff. I'm sure. You know, but we did. I mean. Mike, we did so many things, you know, yeah. and the, so many, so much that we, I, I, I'm not angry about things and I'm blessed in so many ways. And yeah. I just, I just like when people are good people and kind people and do the right thing. And, you know, especially yeah. in this business, because this business is a cutthroat anyway. But if you just it, learn it, not it, to. It is, it, it is. And, and in your time, you know, at least today, the people don't get ripped off as much as what happened back in your times. You know, yeah. contracts today tend to be fouled a little bit more. I'm sure stuff goes on, but you know, you guys were blatantly robbed. Okay. That's like so, so many bands were, you know, I mean, even the Beatles were, even the stones were okay. Uh, the kinks were robbed. You know, so many of the British invasion bands were robbed by their managers and their, their record labels. And then, you know, and on the American yeah. side, the girl groups and, some of the, I mean, every, uh, every, on um, when we do a rock show podcast, especially talking about bands in the sixties, every one of them is had some kind of story like that. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's a shame because, the, you know, you hear the stuff on the radio and 
people think, oh, you know, Lala Brooks must be living in a mansion somewhere. Yeah. You know, and, and it just, you know, isn't so. But, but you know, I want to flash forward now, okay? And, and I got to ask you about an album of yours that came out in uh, 2013. Now, yeah. you connected with Norton Records. Yeah, I did. One of, one of the best labels out there today. Yeah. I have a lot of material at home here on Norton. Yeah. Miriam is a, Miriam's a wonderful person. Yeah. Um, how did you get involved? Did she approach you? Did you approach her? How did, how did that happen? Well, they approached me. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew I was doing something in New Orleans at the Ponderosa yeah. Rosa Stomp, and they were there. And they wanted to do a okay. recording. And that's right. how we did it. But, Mike, I don't want to... Um, <coughs> is there any way that we can just end this? Because I do... My son just called, yeah. and I'm getting a text from him. Oh, no, 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 no problem, no problem. I, I just wanted to you know, talk about that. That's fine. And then also, I know you have something, I guess you could say it's tentative because it's in April and we don't know what's coming up yet with the whole coronavirus and everything. But I did see that you have a show scheduled April 16th in Roslyn, like a charity benefit show for uh, Wounded Warriors. I do. Uh, you <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, well, I, you know it's on your Facebook, okay? Okay. Uh, okay. It, it says here, it says here, Friday, April sixteenth, in the Christopher Morley County Park in Roslyn. Uh, you, you're doing a show with Dennis Tofano, who used to be in the Buckinghams. Oh, I work with and him a bunch a lot. of do- Yeah, and a, and a bunch of doo-wop shows, okay? Um, a bunch of doo-wop bands, excuse me, and it's a drive-in kind of thing. Okay, oh, where you get yes. the tickets and you yes, bring- I I am doing that. That was supposed I I was supposed to do that, Mike. I was supposed to do that October third, and they put and it and they to- pushed it back. Yes, thank you for reminding mm-hmm. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm I'm out in that area a lot. Okay, I spent a lot of time in Glencoe yeah. too, which is the next town over. Yeah. So I I am going to be there. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I definitely you know if I don't see you before that, I will hopefully see you that day. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And always know yeah. that I'm humble and, and you know, I'm, I'm a happy yes. person. And whether they stole from us or not, it doesn't make yes. me angry. It doesn't make me not feel that I'm rich. Because as long as I have my health and my strength and yes. everything is happening in the world, what could I complain about? You know? That's, that's if you don't have your health, what do you got, right? What do you have? What do you have? Uh, no, yeah. So, well, Lala, yeah. I want to thank you so much. Yeah, Lala Brooks, thank you for that's coming great. on. And telling this amazing story. This is like one of the best interviews we ever did. Definitely. And, Thank you. you know, I, I appreciate it. And I just want to mention, too, that we found out the other day we're in our podcasts are in the top 100 in Sweden. So these people in Sweden are going to really hear your show. Okay? Oh, great. I hope they book me. All right. <laughs> I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd love to get it the heck out of oh, yeah. Anybody <laughs> listening, anybody listening, book Lala. Call me. I'll, I'll hook you yeah, up. Especially, especially in Europe. But you guys, yeah. thank you so much, yeah, Mike. Definitely. It was great talking with you. Yeah, thank you. And we'll talk soon, okay? All right, thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Yeah. Mike, Bye. Mike, Mike. Yes, yes. I just want to say one thing. I just, I have to say one thing because my heart is so humble. If it wasn't for the fans, I'm telling you, the fans, the fans, and fans, I would not be where I am today. And I bow to them. I'm grateful to them. And I'm so thankful for every fan out there. I've got to say that because it just touches my heart. Well, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that as a personal thank you because I'm a big fan as well. Oh, thank you so much, Mike. (laughs) All right. Thank you.
All right, thank yeah, you. Yeah, we'll all right, Lalo. Check in. We love you, man. Doing a great job. Call me back, Rob.